ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 97 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network, if you will. And we will. We do it every time. It's a great Thursday night. We're going live on the YouTubes. Uh, you'll be listening to us in your ear holes in whatever format you want to, on Apple and uh, iTunes, all those, whatever they're called these days. you got Google Podcasts, Podbean, all those options. With me tonight is the co-host that is the newest on the show, technically. I've got the one and only Bobby Koch returning from retirement to help us out. How are you doing tonight, Bobby? It's not even technically. I am just the newest co-host. That's um, right. What you didn't see behind the scenes is that Andrew was hazing me a bit as the new guy, as well as uh, the other host on the show. But I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I did the draft show with the DAP Network, had way too much fun, and essentially decided I need to come back and do this more regularly. They were nice enough to ask me to be a host at least once a month. So looking forward to talking to these guys. And uh, I feel like this is the right level of investment. I'm not talking every week, but you can hear me at least once a month. And if you don't want to hear me, then you can skip that month's episode and that'll be fine. <laughs> That's kind of our thinking too. It's like Bobby needs a place to vent. We need to let Bobby have somewhere he can come talk to the world. You know what I mean? So I'm glad we could have you on. I'm glad we could join you in our rotation here on the Junkies where everybody's busy with life and it's nice to have more options. So more opinions, more more ideas. You're a junkie like the rest of us, Bobby. You're welcome, of course. Uh, tonight, though, yeah, we've got one a terrific... quick thing I will oh, add before we introduce our guest. And I did want to do this and I completely forgot. I advised Rocky and Dustin on the very first episode and iteration of this show. I listened wow. to it and then gave them essentially live feedback. So it's weird now to essentially be hosting the show with them and with you, but I'm very glad to be here. And I'm going to steal your role here since I interrupted you and say also very glad to be on with our guests who I followed for a long time on Twitter. I've listened to for a long time. I know you have too as well, Andrew. And our guest is Pat Fitzmaurice. Pat, we're so happy to have you on the pod. Hey, Bobby and Andrew, thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. It's uh, you know feels like a good night. It's right on the eve of a nice long holiday weekend. Um, and Bobby, I suspect you're being modest. I mean, you're talking about the people who might tune you out or uh, the episodes that you're on. What about the Bobby Files who are going to tune in to only the ones that you're on? I know there are people like that out there too. So um, yeah, don't be so the, honest. I mean, I appreciate you giving a shout out to my mom, Pat. She, I'm sure, <laughs> will appreciate that as well. Every download counts, Bobby. Every download counts. We'll take it. That's a good time. Well, again, Pat, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Let's. If people don't know who you are, you're on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Uh, you're the host of Fitz on Fantasy, which how long have you been doing Fitz on Fantasy now? Oh, man. Uh, three and a half years, I think. Okay. 
That sounds about right. Yeah, that's that's kind of when I started really diving in. And I remember finding your voice just very unique and different and, and kind of outside the box of what I used to hear about. So that was kind of a, a good time for me when I picked up your podcast. But you're doing a lot more than that now, right? You're you're on Fantasy Pros full time. What all do you do for Fantasy Pros? Maybe I'll ask you that instead of telling people. Let me let you tell me what's going on in your world in Fantasy Pros. Oh, so, uh, yeah, technically I'm the managing editor of Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. So um, there's a lot of managing and like article assignments and, uh, you know, f- talent recruitment, which we're working on at Betting Pros, trying to find uh, some writers since we have kind of a shortage and just general, you know, working with writers. Uh, there's like a coaching element to it. But then, you know, also conti- continuing to do content, articles, rankings, um. Yeah, that's like, what thing. don't and, you do at this point? That geez, like you're all yeah, over the place now. Yeah, and <laughs> I I should also plug the uh, the Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast, which I co-host along with Scott Bogman, who's uh, just fantastic and like an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. Oh, yeah. Bogman is just insane with that, so uh, that's good. He kind of carries me on the college stuff, so <laughs> I needed him to do that this spring. That's also no, being a little modest here because in terms of accuracy experts, he always ranks towards the top of fantasy pros, accuracy experts. And I will put this out there. I'm sure it'll make Pat feel embarrassed, but whenever I need to decide who to sit or start in a particular week, I honestly just look at where Pat has them ranked and then go, okay, that's the tiebreaker. Oh. All right. Well, I mean, I'll feel good about that, Bobby, unless you show me your trophy case and it's all empty. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I have, I have one league, Pat, which will, well, actually, never mind. That league's not a sit or start league, so I can't use it as an example. <laughs> well, that's still, that's awesome. And again, glad to have you on. I know we've got some stuff we want to get into, but I do want to mention right out off the top our uh, SFB 12 giveaway here in Dynasty Junkies. Uh, so we mentioned it a little bit last week, and I know it's, uh, if you follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Junkies, you can see our pin tweet. I think it's our pin tweet right now. The idea is that if you want to get into Scott Fishbowl and you're a fan of the show and you listen to us, you know we do a Find Me a Trade segment. And what we're asking you to do is submit your trades in one of Rocky's leagues. So it's a Rocky team. And I don't mean that as a uh, an indictment of the status of the team, but it's our, our compatriot Rocky, Rocky Petrella, team late QB, uh, old QB. He's actually uh, putting up one of his teams as an option, and you're supposed to be able to find him a trade. And we're going to talk about that next week on the show on June 2nd. All four of us are going to be on. That's the plan for now anyway. And we're going to talk about what we think is the best trade of those submitted. And we'll decide pretty much live on the show. The only things you got to remember, you have to be registered. You have to be signed up for Scott Fishbowl to win. If you're submitting a trade and you are not signed up, then we can't give you the spot. So first things first, if you're listening to this and want to participate in Scott Fishbowl, the biggest of all charity leagues, uh, and we'll talk to you about that, Pat. I know you've got some history with that. But uh, Scott Fishbowl, go to scottfishbowl.com. You hit on apply and fill in all the info there. Get your name on the list. Even if you've already applied and you want, you're just not sure, you can go there and check it out. See when you applied. You can go and see, uh, you know, if you have applied and you've even gotten in, you can change your settings and all that stuff. Terrific how much he's done with that site lately. Um, but yeah, definitely do that. Follow us on Twitter. Submit your trade. The deadline, I believe, is next Thursday by nine o'clock, pretty much when we go live. So just make sure that you have all those in this week. And we'd love to see some more junkies in the Scott Fishbowl. The more Dynasty fans, the better. So. With that as a segue, Pat, I know listening to your podcast, you're giving away a Scott Fishbowl spot yourself. How long have you been in Scott Fishbowl? And like, what's your history with that charity league? I know we all have our own uh, stories with it. What's yours? Yeah. So um, when you 
asked me that question, I, I was thinking at first, like, what is this going to be like five for me? And then I, I went back and checked the My Fantasy League archives, and this is going to be my seventh year in the Scott Fishbowl. There you my go. First, my first year was 2016. So um, as far as, uh, let's see, history, I mean, I've made two conference finals uh, and then have never done very well in the conference finals. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's exciting because you're right on the cusp. Like, hey, if it's if it's my week, I'm I'm through to the finals, and then I'm one of what ten or twenty people to, to yeah. go for all the marbles. But um, haven't really come close. I think the the highlight was maybe last year with uh, the band theme divisions yeah. named after bands, and I was in the REM division playing. With an actual member of REM, like Mills, <laughs> yeah. the bassist. So you can't beat uh, that. That's pretty yeah, crazy. Oh my god, it was, and he was like really active in our our league chat too. Like you know, That's on there great. all the time, bantering back and forth. So super cool guy, super uh, super cool experience. Yeah, I know with the band theme, that was a fun one last year. I was in the Incubus division, and so it was just a bunch of Incubus fans. And it was it was kind of <laughs> nice to see some people I was familiar with that I was like, oh, I didn't know you were an Incubus fan. You know, like it's kind of like. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then all the avatars coming out with all the different bands and all the shirts. I mean, I got I have so many shirts. It's ridiculous. And my wife's like, do you own anything but Scott Fishbowl shirts? I'm like, I don't know if I do anymore, to be honest. Like, they're just that's the teacher. I mean, I got I got a thieves shirt. I'm repping the thieves tonight. But I got, you know, there's a couple other shirts I have, but really not many. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I know, Bobby, you've had some history with Scott Fishbowl, too. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about your history with that. I mean, I, I think you mentioned that you're not looking to play in it this year. Is that correct? So, yeah, that's correct. Um, essentially, I made the decision not to sign up only because I think it's time that someone else gets my spot. I've played a number of years. Last year, I will call myself out. I don't think I paid as much attention to the league as it deserved. And I really enjoy the charitable aspect and I enjoy more people getting involved. And while I know that Scott increases the league every year, I just didn't want to be a person taking up a spot because I know at some point he has to cap it. So my decision was to bow out, but I love this time of year and I love seeing it vicariously because everyone gets very charitable in the community. The avatars come out, you start to learn things about people like you were just talking about, Andrew, that you didn't yep. know before, like, oh, you're a fan of this video game or this band and you bond that way. And that's what it's all about for me at this point. I love playing the Dynasty game because I get to see the other facets of my league mates. I've been in leagues where I've seen people get new jobs, get married, start a family and things of that nature. And that is the coolest part of it to me. No, that's great. And I've, I've actually heard a couple of people mention it in the same sort of vein where it's like, you know, I, I just don't have the energy and it's July and I, I'm not going to be able to put full time into it. And I, I actually really respect that. I wanted to say that to you here. And like, I, I personally feel like this is the most exciting time of the year. Like Scott Fishbowl drafts, like kicking off the season and getting in the DMs and like talking to different people and getting closer to, you know, having your, uh, your, your draft slot chats and everything. Like there's all these different ways to connect. So I love all of that. Uh, I'm also a big fan of the charity aspect, obviously. And it was actually really nice this year being a part of the eliminators and kind of helping John Bosch and the group uh, setting those up. That was, that was entertaining and stressful and a lot more work than I noticed and realized until you're in it and you're like, Oh, this is a lot. Okay. This is a lot of work. Like it's just flooding in. So it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. So I'm just, I'm excited to be a part of it in any way that I can, but I totally respect your decision. And I, I'm not ever going to say to anybody, you need to be in it. You got to, no, no, no. Do what you want to do. If you don't feel up for it, don't do it. I totally get it. I will say if you haven't gotten the opportunity to be in and you have the opportunity, sign up because it's definitely a unique experience. It's just 
for me, I wanted somebody else to have that unique yep. experience. I felt like mine had somewhat run its course. And that's fine. Yeah. And I think too, this is something that I, I get questions from people every now and then around this time of year where they're like, well, do you have to be in the community? Like, do you have to be a content creator? And like, don't you have to have a website? Like, no, you don't. That's the best part about this whole thing. You Literally, it's a pro-am. It puts pros, so to speak. And I'm using the term loosely there because obviously I write for Fantasy Pros. Pat is part of Fantasy Pros, but I'm using it with quote fingers, pros against Joes and people that are just fans of fantasy. And we're all experts. We all play this game for fun. None of us are better than anyone else. We're just more entertaining or more you die hard or have, but this is just a fun hobby for some of us. Other people, it's their third hobby, you know? So I always say to people, if you want to get in, apply. You never know. And if you want to get a free spot, fill out our form, do our, for, our, uh, our find me a trade, kind of do our, there's a whole bunch of ways you can get in. And Pat, I wanted to give you a second too. What's the, what's the contest that you're running with your, with uh, Fits on Fantasy? What's the thing you're doing over there? So yeah, for, uh, for listeners of the show, anyone who wants to can uh, send me an email and uh, they can, I'm asking them to submit a, um, someone they're, the name of someone they're going to target in the 22nd round of the 22 round Scott Fishbowl draft. So uh, just kind of challenging them to dig deep and find some, uh, you know, obs- obscure under the radar type of player um gotten some pretty good submissions so far so oh, I'll bet um, yeah yeah it's it's always fun to uh you know because i always i don't know about you guys but i feel like i want to plant a flag with that uh yeah. last guy you know for me it's usually uh either i'm a university of wisconsin alum so uh maybe it's <laughs> a, a an ex-badger or um you know someone some dart throw I'm really excited about. Like last year was Albert O for me, which go. felt like it was a year early maybe. But, um, you know, I, I feel somewhat vindicated that now he's a, a sought-after commodity. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the contest. And, you know, it's it's going to be a pleasure to uh, give someone the chance to be in the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, Has anybody too, pulled the fake names on you yet? Because Scott does add in <laughs> fake names to the draft list. And those I, are sometimes fun to draft just to say you drafted those guys. Not, <laughs> not saying I've ever personally done that because I took it a little too seriously. But Same. looking, I saw some league mates definitely take those guys just to be like, yes, I did draft this person. Well, yeah, in Scott Fishbowl 10, when it was the, the video games, I think it was, I, did, I drafted Scott Fish with my 22nd round pick. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's, that, you know, I was like, hey, I see it on. I think maybe it was that or nine. I even, I don't remember. I remember drafting Scott Fish and being like, eh, eh, see, I, I win, right? Because I, dra- like, I found the Easter egg in the game, video game thing. Like, I, you know, that was like, eh, fine. It, it didn't matter, but it was a lot of fun. That was the whole point. But I love the idea, too. I mean, you're exactly right, Pat. This is a, this is a league. It's a redraft league with 22 rounds, which is pretty ridiculous. But since there's no trading and some players don't really pay attention to waivers because it gets to be, you know, it's such a deep league. It kind of makes it so you don't have to pay attention to waivers as much because there's not a lot left in most cases. I mean, that first week is always kind of exciting to see who you get. Um, but I think with the way the league is set up, it, it just makes sense to go super deep in the draft and then just kind of not necessarily set it and forget it like best ball, but just do a little less maintenance. It makes a little lighter impact on those of us that are in, a you know, 50 other leagues or something. But, yeah, I love having, like, you know, the 264th player and the, the last pick of the 22nd round you know, Mr. Irrelevant, like the NFL draft, you know what I mean? It's like someone that's so late and so ridiculous. You're like, you never know. Right. Like, what were we, like last year, I think I took, I remember taking Justin Jackson with my last round pick. I'm like, man, it's going to be the guy. And then I dropped him first chance on waivers. Cause it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about it. 
you just you don't know. You got to take a flyer, and running backs are kind of like that. So I know I don't want to give too much away. I know your your contest, Pat, is asking for people to submit their their sleepers, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit. With that being your contest, like, what are some of the sleepers you're looking at? And and let me write this down so if we're in the same draft, I can snipe you a little. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rookie. Running backs are always interesting dart throws, and obviously it can't be a rookie who's like being too highly touted for a possible like committee role or something. But um, he's probably not going to last that long. But maybe someone like Tyler Beatty uh, mm-hmm. on the Ravens. Um, maybe more realistic would be someone like Kennedy Brooks, who mm-hmm. was an undrafted free agent. Who a guy I was pretty surprised he didn't get drafted. Like I really liked him in college and he goes to the Eagles who have this kind of ambiguous backfield. I mean, Miles Sanders is going to play a pretty prominent role, but he's gotten hurt a lot. It seemed like Kenneth Gainwell almost kind of fell out of favor as the season wore on. And yeah. then, you know, Boston Scott, who's kind of just a guy and uh, hey, I maybe... have him on like six teams, Pat, I need him to do well this year. <laughs> <laughs> so Brooks is one. And, you know, yeah. then I mentioned my, my badger affinity. So maybe someone like Jake Ferguson, who there you go now. Yeah. I mean, so a, a day three, uh, I think he was day three tight end and mm-hmm. he goes to Dallas where I think he's going to be the number two now. And I mean, Dalton Schultz got his opportunity being the number two behind Blake Jarwin, who got hurt, and all of a sudden Schultz is, uh, you know, gets his chance, and now he's one of the most you know, coveted tight ends out there. So mm-hmm. um, don't remind you know. me, Pat. I had him in a few dynasty leagues, and I traded him away because I listened to the crowd telling me to. I yeah. still I piled onto a few, but there's one I remember distinctly where I traded him for uh, C.J. Uzoma and a third round pick, and that one hurts me to this day. Man, and like even when he got the role, it's like, oh, hey, this guy's in a pretty interesting spot now. I didn't think he was going to be like a tight end one though. That yeah. that was you know wholly unforeseen. It's not like he's some freakish athletic specimen. It's not like he had uh, great draft pedigree. But here we are. Yeah, someone said he is in that tight end mold of catch the ball and then fall down immediately after catching it. <laughs> He is, but, you know, he he's one of those guys who seems to just find, like, soft spots or, or beat whatever coverage he's in and, like, make himself available to the quarterback. And there's something to be said for guys like that, I guess. Especially in the red zone, right? I mean, like, you get a lot of touchdown choices just being the guy that can catch the ball. You know, sometimes yeah. when you get down in that three-yard line, you know, Dak Prescott or any quarterback is like, I just don't want it to get knocked out. I don't want it to be a drop pass. Like, let me just put it to somewhere reliable. Schultz is a prime case of that. But, I mean, Ferguson's not a bad pick. I actually like that one. I've seen him in a couple of dynasty leagues get snapped up after, you know, uh, the draft was done. And I was like, well, that's not a bad angle because they got to have they, they do have some some answers to, to be found after losing Cooper. They're going to have to have somebody step up. And, I mean, if Schultz were to get hurt or not be 100 percent or, you know, training camps, who knows? I mean, Ferguson could easily be a guy that moves up the rankings for sure. He has pretty much been the best pass catcher at Wisconsin for the entirety of his college career, which is not saying a lot about the uh, job they're doing, <laughs> recruiting wide receivers up in Madison. But um, And he's also the son, uh, the grandson of Barry Alvarez, the guy who came in oh, wow. and totally turned around the program. So, uh, you know, Barry Alvarez is just completely worshipped up in Madison. And, yeah. uh, you know, there we go, the bloodlines. So, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, if nothing else, it's a good story, right? It's like, hey, I'll take that guy with the 22nd pick. I love that yes. logic. 
So I think that's probably I do it. also if- like uh, just really quick. I do like the Kennedy Brooks call. <clears throat> I feel like Kennedy Brooks is your favorite analyst, favorite undrafted running back. Where like all the <laughs> smart people seem to say, take Kenny Brooks in late in your dynasty drafts or late in your redrafts, just in case Miles Sanders doesn't work out again and he's the guy. And I had a friend who was in on him, similar to your, all the people that we hear, but my friend is a uh, big Debbie guy and we took him in a Debbie draft like four years ago. And he's like, this is the guy. And I asked him what happened to him. And he said, don't worry, he's still the guy. So I'm choosing to believe in him with my 22nd pick if I have one. Well, that's not bad at all. And I, I was going to say like my, my pick, which is going to be gone by the 22nd round, but somebody that I'm targeting in the second half of the draft is my Cincinnati Bearcat alum, Desmond Ritter. You know what I mean? I think I just think honestly, like Desmond Ritter is one of those guys that could be there. I think him and Jerome Ford both are going to go. Uh, they're they're not going to be available at, at 260, 250. You know what I mean? They're not deep enough for your contest there. But I'm right there with you. I love taking flyers in that second half and just being like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Like maybe Ritter is the guy. Like maybe maybe Jerome Ford gets you know maybe Hunt gets cut or traded or something, and Ford does really well and leapfrogs Ernest Dearness Johnson, and then Chubb gets it. Like there, you can draw yourself a little map to be like. Well, if these three things happen, I mean, that's better than some cases. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Beatty. I mean, is that kind of what your thoughts are with him, too? Is like he's he's on a good running team and maybe he'll get lucky? Is that sort of the thought? That's pretty much it. I mean, he's uh, one injury away from being like a, a steady contributor. Um, like he's unfortunately, he's never going to have the sort of role he had. Uh, he was kind of the anomaly, the really small college running back who had this like massive workload at Missouri. I mean, he was pretty much the only thing that worked in that offense. And, uh, you know, I just I like him as the the plucky, undersized guy who um, just got a ton of touches and did it against SEC competition. So, um, you know, I'm hoping he gets a a shot at some point. He's probably just going to be a a little used number three behind Dobbins and and Gus Edwards. But we'll see. I mean, those guys are both coming off pretty significant injuries. So you never know. You never know. That's exactly right. And I'll use this to kind of pivot toward our dynasty discussion. I know when it comes to this time of year and Scott Fishbowl, like I said before, is sort of the kickoff of redraft season. The, the One of the main reasons that I like dynasty and I've, I've liked this for the last few years, ever since I started playing, is that it kind of keeps you up to date on things. You never have to really catch up. Right. I feel like I'm always sort of up to speed. So that's where I feel like those those of us that play dynasty and are focusing on this year round. Maybe we have, I would like to think we have a slight advantage, but it doesn't seem to really be working for me and Scott Fishbowl. But I feel like there's this slight advantage that we have where we kind of go into this, you know, May, June, July timeframe. And we're already talking about rookies. We've had rookie drafts in our dynasty leagues, things like that. So that's actually where I wanted to go next in a way. But I wanted to ask you too, Pat, like how long have you been playing dynasty? I know Fits on Fantasy is, is not a dynasty podcast per se. It's more just fantasy in general and you're a year-round podcast but i don't think it's dynasty focused am i right there correct um i mean it kind of shifts that way i would say after the end of the the nfl season and for a few months it's pretty dynasty intensive but then you know as the summer goes on i i definitely shift the focus back to redraft as people start to uh and i think you nailed it andrew like people do sort of hibernate when they're redraft players and then you know sometime around like late july start you know, realizing like, oh, wow, this guy's here now. I didn't. Yeah. When did that happen? Um, you know, probably a lot of those people miss that, you know, Daryl Williams just signed with Arizona. And, they're, yep. they're, you know, two months from now, they're going to be like, wait, Daryl Williams isn't on the Chiefs anymore. What happened? Um, yep. So I've believe it or not, I've only been playing Dynasty since 2018. Uh, I was pretty much exclusively a redraft guy. And then 
I was invited to play in uh, a Fantasy Pros Dynasty League, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I should probably do this. A lot of people are getting into Dynasty, and I just kind of fell for it right away, and I've been, like, adding, oh, like, one or two leagues pretty much every every year since. I think yeah. I'm up to, like, six actively managed ones and then two sort of more passive best ball type yeah. dynasty leagues but um you know really love it and i just i like the ever-changing one second i was feeling good about the roster and like a month later i'm like what the hell happened like a you know a, a bomb hit my roster and then other times i i feel like i have an okay roster and like this one in my dynasty home league just somehow turned into a monster last year like oh i love when that happens (laughs) yeah all of a sudden like hey look debo samuel became a god and uh you know i had dallas goddard and oh they traded zach Ertz away finally this guy gets going and i think i also had dawson knox on that team so yeah um just like a lot of things can fall into place and uh just love it i mean it's just tracking the constant value changes and it gives you something to do year-round so oh yeah yeah. i've fallen totally fallen for dynasty it's weird to be on a podcast because i'm not used to this to be honest where i'm the one who's been playing (laughs) dynasty the longest because usually i'm on podcasts and people are like oh i've been playing dynasty since like the 1990s and (laughs) in this case i know andrew is a little more recent too Um, i'm 2018 just like pat yep that was my first dynasty year I've been playing since 2014, I want to say, so not too much longer than you guys. But I was basically my first year, it was like, oh, yeah, this is the Odell year and all those rookies coming out. And I was like, Dynasty is great. Every rookie ever hits. This is amazing. (laughs) And then 2015 happened and I was like, oh, or maybe it's 2016 or I might even be confusing my years. But at some point, Laquan Treadwell happened and he was like a one of three pick. And I was like, oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it was or as easy as I thought it was. Yeah, it's just everybody picks correctly in the rookie draft because everybody does great. In 2014, that worked out. Yeah, yeah. And we, we had Chris Harris on last week and we were talking about that with him and how like this, like it's not always like this. You know, like this year is a really interesting year for Dynasty and rookie drafts. There's especially in Superflex, like there really just is maybe one quarterback in the first round. And I feel like last year we had like five, you know, you could honestly like go deep. And even the year before that, I think it was the Mac Jones year. I think we had five in that one. You know what I mean? Like just, you can get really deep into some of these first rounds. And this year it's like crickets, you know, it's very receiver heavy. There's two running backs, a quarterback and nine receivers. And you might get a James Cook in there. And I mean, there's some other kinds there, but I mean, like Pat, I, I definitely, I mentioned this in, in our, our, our chat or whatever. And I mentioned it on the show sheet, like, James Cook is polarizing. We talked about it a little bit last week with Chris Harris, but I want to hear your thoughts on James Cook because I know you and the, the Trades HQ guys, and, and again, repping the, the other brands, this is the HQ crew. I know you and the HQ guys last year, last year, last week or something, talked about uh, James uh, James Cook and all this. What are your thoughts on James Cook in general and kind of where do you stand? Is he a first-round pick in your mind? In rookie yeah, and a little later I'll tell you a story involving the HQ guys and James Cook. Um, so we'll we'll get to that soon enough, though. But, I like um, it. Yeah, and um, boy, for him, and and first of all, what you were, well, about James Cook, yeah, so I think he is a a borderline first rounder. I think he's he's kind of right on the cusp of, um, you know, 112, 201. I think he is probably going to slip into the first round of, of most leagues. And I tend to think that people are maybe getting a little too in love with the landing spot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yes, the Bills probably have the best all-around offense in the NFL right now, and Cook is going to walk right into you know maybe a pretty significant role. I don't think he's got any chance to completely de- displace Devin Singletary. And even if Singletary got hurt, I think it would be Cook sharing the role with someone else. Like I, I don't think there's any sort of like heavy-duty upside there. And we have kind of seen Josh Allen drain the value of the running backs around him for a long time like he he doesn't really dump off when he's in trouble he runs it himself he doesn't dump it off to backs he calls his own number inside the 10 or inside the 20 for that matter I mean he runs in a lot of touchdowns himself he has not been like a bonanza for the running backs on the bills and uh you know even though they're going to score a lot of touchdowns it's typically not the running backs in Buffalo scoring a very significant share of those touchdowns. So um, what I was groping for to say earlier, by the way, Andrew, is just, <laughs> you know, when I, whenever people first get into Dynasty, like as you were talking about and the weirdness of there being really not much in the way of quarterbacks in this draft, like I always tell them to play super flex because it's like, look, after the startup, the only drafts you're going to be doing are rookie drafts, and rookie drafts are infinitely more interesting in Superflex when the quarterbacks are worked in and have value. Otherwise, the quarterbacks are just not that valuable. Except this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I've, I've had to, like, you know, give people that caveat when I explain this. Like, normally that's the case, just not this year. This year yeah. it's more like every draft is a one-quarterback league draft. Yeah, because there's so much upside there. After my own heart, Pat, because so I used to write for a little known website, and I'm joking because it's not little known, called Two QBs, uh, run by everyone's favorite, Sal. And I wrote for the draft guide one year an article called Intro to Superflex. And it was all in the style of the dodgeball, like video reel from that movie, because that was popular when I was a teen, and I decided to reference it. And at the end, I kind of joked, but I said, like, those of us who play Superflex are better than you, and we know it. And <laughs> back then, that was somewhat of a hot take, but now it seems like the way things have trended, Superflex is pretty much just the default, at least for those hardcore Dynasty players. And so it makes me very happy to hear all of these people talking about, yes, you have to play Superflex because it makes rookie drafts more interesting. Again, I will say, play whatever you want to play. Yep. But my personal opinion is that super flex just makes things so much more interesting. I also think, and I'm just throwing this out there since we're on the topic, that tight end premium and not a light premium, but an actual heavy premium like the TA leagues, that 1.75 really does make that position more interesting too. And just all around, the more positions that are interesting, the more fun I have at least. No, for sure. Yeah, and I, there, I'm in uh, one one QB league. That's all I've got left out of like 13 leagues or whatever at this point. Every league I've joined up since then has been super flex. That was my first league, and it's my home league. And I don't know if we're ever going to be able to convert it because some of these guys, even in dynasties, take three months off. You know what I mean? Like they, as soon as the season ends in December, they kind of go about their business. And then we haven't even had a rookie draft yet. Like it's scheduled for I think a, a week from the Saturday, June 4th is when we're kicking it off with a slow clock, and it's like. Even then, guys are like, why are we doing this in June? Why can't we just do this in August? And I'm like, okay, this isn't redraft. You know what I mean? Like, we, I, well, but there's so much more information in August. I'm like, exactly. This is the part, like, this is the whole point is to, like, put your flag on someone and, like, go out there on a limb and be like, I'm taking my guy, you know? Like, what? Are, why aren't we doing it in May? Like, why are we doing it in June? Like, it's a compromise. So outside of that, to hit on your tight end point, 
I also love the tight end premium. I mean, I, I was in a couple of them uh, last year. I was in a safe leagues a couple years ago. That was kind of my first intro to tight end premium. And I was like, I kind of dig this. Like the tight ends do kind of matter a little more and they're kind of figuring each other out. Like, you know, you can start two of them then and make sense because the scoring and all this. Uh, I am in one that is a <laughs> two tight end league. I do not like that. Not two points. I'm saying start two tight ends. Like, I nope, I don't like that. That That is not, nope. Although in that league, I do have Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard, so I'm kind of okay. And I've got Jamar Chase and Jonathan Taylor, so I'm not giving the team up. But it's like, that's not my favorite. You know what I mean? Like, So, I, yeah, I'm with you, though. I'm not here to shame anyone. I'm not here to say you're doing it wrong. I think that's exactly what – and to kind of tie it back even into Scott Fishbowl, that's one of the things I love about Scott Fishbowl is that he introduces people to new ideas, right? Like last year was uh, – the, the third-round reversal was new, I think, last year. And, uh, you know, obviously kickers as a flex, that was kind of new. And I know he's done like, you know, bonus scoring and like, you know, video game scoring and all this. So like, I love that kind of stuff where he can introduce new concepts. And I think even Scott Fishbowl is one of the first places that like really did PPR is like a solid thing. And that was, you know, back 10 years ago now, that was kind of like a big deal. And now that's what every league is like, I, you know, I don't know a single league that's not some sort of PPR anymore. So yeah, it's just kind of fun to see how, like you said, uh, Pat, the, the ever changing landscape, like, it's weird that we play this long-term game, but all of us are very kind of short window people, you know, dynasty. Everybody likes to say, Oh, I have this player forever. It's like, I know myself, I'm going to trade them away 30 times. So it really doesn't matter. But also at the same time, like it, the window, I want to win now. I don't want to win 10 years from now. I want to win right now. Everybody should want to win now. And like we said last week with Chris Harris, like dynasty becomes redraft in August and they kind of overlap a lot. And then you have this weekly game. And so for a few weeks, they're the same game. And so we're all kind of in the same boat. And I love that time where it's just sort of like dynasty or redraft doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like they're both fun. They're both entertaining. I am still in a couple of redraft leagues. I know a lot of charity leagues are redraft for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just good times. Anytime you can play fantasy with some friends and you know watch football with something else on the line. I'm a fan of that. But I do want to pivot into something else. And I know I put some of this on the show sheet and I love that, that you came up with some good answers here. But we always talk about dynasty and, and the, the ever changing landscape, but, and the valuations that change, but a lot of times that comes with, you know, age is a big one in dynasty, right? Like what are we looking for? I guess, and maybe Pat, where are you at with dynasty? Like how, how differently do you value players in terms of, you know, youth versus veterans or rookies versus older guys? Like, where are you at with all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's um, age is so important. And I think that's what we have to consider more so in dynasty and like adjust our way of thinking to is that a player's value is not just in the fantasy points he scores for you. It's in what the market perception is of him. And as long as he's a young player, um, that usually salvages a market perception. There's uh, some like raised base of his perception if he's a young player. I mean, there might still be people holding out hope for Jalen Rager at this point because he's young maybe, maybe, that might be stretching it a little bit all right yeah, that's a good 22nd round <laughs> <laughs> but um you know i mean maybe there's hope for for brian edwards who washed out Benzel in, uh, there's definitely still hope yep. for him. yeah there so is man i've i've got a fellow packers fan who's like screaming for the packers to pick up denzel mims i'm like i don't know dude he's <laughs> he hasn't been able to carve out a spot with the jets for three yeah. years what makes you think he's gonna so JJ Ortega Whiteside, right? Like one of those guys, like just like Nikhil Harry, you know what I mean? Like what a bust talk about, you know, bad rookie drafts, you know, last year or two years, it was two years ago, I think, wasn't it? He was like the number one overall. I talk about it all the time because it just scarred my brain, but you're exactly right. Like the age is, is a lot more important, but it's not everything. 
right? I mean, like eight right. isn't the whole thing. Right. Um, it's it's definitely not, but it's uh, you know something you always have to factor it in. It, uh, maybe that's like still a flaw of mine that I maybe play the age thing a little bit too much, and I know whenever I draft, like, eventually I'm going to do a startup dynasty draft where I just like throw all the chips into the middle and play to win right away. But I never do. I can never talk myself into <laughs> so, it. Like I'm always trying to win it in year two. Yeah. And, you know, build that strong, young roster. Yeah. Um, but it would be just once I'm going to have to like break myself of that and just go for it and be like, yeah, I'm going to take these like veteran low hanging fruit values up and down the draft and just kick your rear ends in year one. It's uh, cyclical, just speaking as someone who's been playing maybe a little bit longer, not to be like the old guy who's been playing for so long, but it really a is cyclical in the, the dynasty community. Because what you'll see is like when I first started playing, everyone was really in on veterans basically and saying like, oh, you want to win right now and it's so cheap. And then all these young guys hit and they're like, oh my God, these guys are going to be in the league for the next 10 years. We're going to build true championships around them. And then you had some bad classes and people are like, okay, the veterans are kind of cheap again. Let's go. And then suddenly it was like, oh, but all these young guys. And what happened too is around the time that you two joined, there were a lot of new players who came in at that time in general. And so right now in the community and to Pat's point, a lot of this is about market perception and your league's mm -hmm. perception. Those young guys are very highly valued. So there's nothing wrong with taking those young guys. At the same time, here's a little pro tip. If a guy like Adam Thielen is sitting out there and you can get him for like a late second round pick because people are like, oh, he's 31, you should probably do that because the chances of that second round pick hitting are pretty low. What people, people in Dynasty like to draw lines in the sand on this age thing. And I'm here to tell you that is the wrong approach. You want balance. You want young wide receivers who can come in and take over as your old wide receivers age out of the league. Um, running backs, you was generally, I mean, this is just my take, but you generally just want youth, especially because they tend to age out of the league pretty quickly. I know there are some people who joke, you know, once a running back hits like 27 or 28, they might as well be running around with a walker. Um, some people are exceptions to that. Personally, I think Derek Henry, for example, will be an exception to that and continue to be a dynasty value. But the thing that I found the smartest people that I've played with have advocated in dynasty is a balance of having youth and veterans and trading away some of your picks, but also keeping certain picks and so forth and so on. It's not so much like a, I'm going to take a hard stance on this. It's much more being fluid and adaptable to what your league is doing. Well, I like that. And I, I am a huge fan, a huge advocate of balance, not only in age and, and, and youth and all of that kind of balance, but you know, upside versus floor too. Like, risk versus you know consistency i mean like you kind of have the i feel like the teams that i like the most kind of have that mix where you can still get to the upside where you can be the best in the league but you like we always say too the worst place in dynasty is sixth you know what i mean like the worst place to be is right in the middle like if you're not going to win you might as well go all in and, and go for all youth and like, trade for only picks like i love that aspect of dynasty because in redraft if you're zero and five in redraft you're kind of like well that was fun. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of done. Like, what am I going to do to turn this around? I mean, you got to win out. I mean, it's so much more stressful. Whereas in Dynasty, it's like, I'm not giving up, but I'm, I'm retooling my team. I'm going to take on, you know, a Calvin Ridley or a Deshaun Watson or a Juju last year. You know, those kind of players that are like, I don't know what's going to happen. Or like Zeke even. Like one of those guys, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but maybe his value goes up and I can benefit somehow. And 
I don't mind taking on risk at that point. Right. So that's what I love about Dynasty, too. But even in that regard, I mean, we talk about trading a lot on this show and that's kind of what our, our you know, family podcast is, is trade addicts. Right. And that they're big on trading. I'm a huge fan of trading. I know Bobby and I have had some discussions uh, sometimes when I'm not on podcast, Bobby, where you talk about how bad I am at trading, which is totally true, by the way. Like, I, I just sometimes I just like, I don't know, it sounded fun to me. I don't know. I just do it sometimes because I'm bored. And that's sort of where I've been listening to Russ so long. I just think it kind of seeped into my brain where I'm just like, meh, like, let's have fun with it. But to clarify for the audience, I wouldn't say you're necessarily bad at trading. <laughs> I would say that sometimes you trade for the sake of trading, which yes. can be ill-advised would be the word that I use. That's a good word. For, and I don't think I'm bad at it, actually. I think I'm pretty good at it. But there are d- definitely times where I make what could be considered a bad trade and I just don't care. And I also think, and, and this is sort of, I don't know, my, my sort of generality, like I said before, I don't have players long enough to really worry. I always end up trading more anyway. You know, it's just like, I just make, if I make a bad trade, I'll just make another one and makes up for it. Uh, there have also been times where, and this may sound strange, but in my home league, especially, I'll end up getting some really good deals on players. They're like, you know, not fleece them or anything, but like, you know, hey, that was a pretty, you know, unfair trade or lopsided trade. And then after a while, you're kind of like, well, I do kind of owe the world a little karma and I'll lose this. Tree. You know what I mean? Like, I got to do a little bit back to the world. And so I think sometimes when I, I I love sending just vacuum trades on Twitter where it's like I put up a trade and I'm like, which side do you like? You know, just like no context, like just pick a side. And then there's, you know, it comes out 50 50. I'm like, well, then it wasn't lopsided anyway. You know, like, what the, like everybody values everybody so differently. And again, just for one quick second while I'm in this mini rant. I love when I see a trade that is like 85 to 15 and it's like, so everybody is a fan of the 85 and I'm like, but not really. Cause there's still 15%, which is like one or two players in your league might want that other side. And this is where I got into it with John Bosch. Cause I'm like, well, if, if it's not a hundred percent, if there's one or two players in my league that would take this trade, why not send it to them and see if they're one of those two? Like, I don't know. Why not? Like, let's just have a little fun with it. You know what I mean? So, so I, I want to ask Pat how he feels about drafting trading, but really quick, Andrew, just to be that guy, because I am somewhat of a numbers guy. I took Bring it on, Bobby. things of that nature. It depends on the sample size, right? Because if you're yeah. talking about 15% of 12, that's great. If you're talking 15% of a thousand, then the chances are that one of those people is in your league is very, very, very low. There so, could be 12 of them in my league, Bobby. I mean, there's more than 12 that said yes to it. I don't know. Why not? Statistically unlikely, but <laughs> possible. Anyway, Pat, <laughs> this is a long lead-in to asking yes. you whether you prefer drafting or trading. And then I know it wasn't on the show sheet, so I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here. But what would you say your general trading style is? Yeah. Oh, so um, I prefer drafting because um, it just – Truth be told, I mean, like, you know, life's life's busy, uh, busy job, two kids, dog, wife. Um, it like it's hard to to sometimes like cook up trades. And if someone yeah. sends me an offer that's like not really in the ballpark, like it's work to, you know, here I'm kind of going about my day and maybe I'm in the middle of something and I get this offer and I look at it and the offer kind of sucks. It's like, do I have time to like look at this person's roster and maybe try to come up with something that they would be agreeable to or do i just kind of dismiss it because it's such a you know lopsided offer like this wasn't really a good faith offer i'm just gonna hit reject sorry you know um and like i won't do that in my home league where it's like good friends you know that's more kind of like in the league where i'm in it with strangers or whatever um you know, I don't want to be uh, stand Pat Fitzmorris, but uh, sometimes it, <laughs> it turns out I'm kind of like that. 
But I would say my trading style, Bobby, is that like, I want to like when I make an offer, I don't come to the table with like, I'm not fishing, like I'm not trade spamming. Like I legitimately try to put myself in the shoes of the other person. Like if I was them, would I do this trade? Like does right. this satisfy what I'm looking for? Like, you know, sometimes I think people just kind of like, you know, what they want from you and they don't look at what you need. Like I'm, you know, trying to like, if I want something from someone and like, I look at what their biggest need is, like, where are they hurting? Like what parts of their team do they feel bad about right now? And like, how can I help them patch up that weakness? So, um, Generally, I, I kind of like to do it that way because then there's really not much negotiation. They either like the deal or they don't, you know, and if they reject it, I'm always like, oh, I really thought they were going to take that. And then if they counter and it's usually them just, you know, trying to pile on and feel like they won the deal and I'll be like, no, nope, I'm good. You know, I'll just <laughs> walk away. So, I mean, I really like to make the earnest attempt to get a mutually beneficial trade. I know in one league, I, I play with Jamie Eisenberg of um, CBS and Jamie is like the exact same type of trader. And we've had like these, you know, three minute negotiations where it's just like this, 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 you know, like we're both into those fair balance trades where we're actually like both trying to accomplish something and help the other person accomplish something. And he's like the easiest guy in the world to trade with. And I really appreciate that. No, that's great. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, there is there's no wrong yeah. way to trade. I think that's the other thing we always kind of come down to. <clears throat> but it's also league dependent, right? I mean, like there are some leagues, like you mentioned it before, too. Like there are some leagues that just don't do a lot of trading. Sure. Like there are some leagues where to, to pull off a trade, you have to overpay. Or, you know, some managers that you traded with before that you just know is like pulling teeth. And so when you get an offer from them, you're like, is this worth my time going back and asking for that extra third? You know, in some leagues, like a trade addicts league, heck yeah, it is. Like we're all crazy people that do this all the time. Right. Like why not? You know, it's a trade addicts league. Like that's kind of the whole point. Um, but then there are some leagues like my home league where it's like, I can't get a trade done to save my life. And they all know each other. So when I start offering one guy, Dalvin cook, they, they send a message to the other guy. Like, Hey, Andrew sent me an offer on for Dalvin cook. Did you get that? I'm like, <laughs> it just like, it all kind of falls crumbles to the ground. You know, it's like, Oh man, they all know I'm shopping. And like, but at the same time, like it, it is kind of fun too, to see the valuation difference. Right. I say this all the time on Twitter too. If we all agreed on valuation, how boring would this game be? Like, if we all agreed say, on everything, like, come on, that's boring. Nobody wants to play that way. I was asking this question somewhat because I had an idea of how you would answer, Pat, and because this had been a debate recently on the show, just because, Andrew, I am very similar to you, although I will say that I do owe someone an apology because I talked about this on the Trade Addicts podcast the other day, and I mentioned that in one of my leagues, I saw someone take essentially take advantage, or at least in my opinion, take advantage of a league mate. And so then I typically like to try to send fair offers too, but I saw that happen and I go, I want to get in on this action. So then right. I sent an offer that did get accepted ultimately. But then I will say the leak mate that I talked about, and I talked about it on a podcast so he could very clearly hear it, was <laughs> upset and I felt bad about it. And now I'm going back to my, oh man, I feel really bad about this. And I'm going to try to make sure this is fair again in future offers because I recognize that I did do something that I honestly... Even though it's a play to win type of game, I just don't like to play that way and I don't like to win that way. So I I will say, Clint File, if you are listening, I am sorry. I did not mean to do that. Um, but uh -huh. I did also ask this question somewhat as because Andrew 
I'm not trying to call Andrew out here. He's just a different type of trader than we are, where he will send an offer that is maybe a little bit less than his top end, right. or maybe sometimes send like a phishing offer. But he also, yeah. I will say he, from talking to him, I do, re he's not one of those people that people get mad about where he's sending like a ridiculously lopsided offer just to send it. Right. He is still sending stuff that he thinks is within the realm of the ballpark, just on the low end. And he does tailor it. So for example, if he was playing in a league with yourself, Pat, or myself, I don't believe he would send us those kinds of offers because he recognized we would just decline and not even counter. Yes. Exactly. Um, but if he's playing in like a public safe leagues, he'll make those kinds of offers. And I get it. But I'm like you where I actually, I have a friend who I will shout out right now. He has lopsided trades on Twitter. He's the person who got me into fantasy football. And I started writing on his site. He's my best friend in real life, best man at my wedding. Very similar. We've had what we call a price check when we started mm -hmm. playing Dynasty where I could go like, yeah, price check on this player. And he'd be like, oh, I take like probably like a second for him. And we'd be like, okay, here, done deal. We don't do that like so that. much anymore. I think we've gotten a little more holding our cards slightly closer to our vest, but it's still, when we have trade negotiations, it's usually pretty quick to tell whether we're on the same page about value or not. I like well, that and, price check idea. Yeah, I like that too. But And that's where I used to get burned on my rankings because people were like, oh, it looks like you have so-and-so over so-and-so. Would you take this trade? And I'm like, oh, man. Like I said to Chris Harris last week, I'm like, I'm so glad I don't do rankings that nobody can exploit them anymore. Like that's just terrifying. <laughs> um, but I mean, on, on that same on that same kind of page, I work in sales, and so it's all about the margin. It's all about profit. Like I, you know, I could sell it to you for a thousand, but I might as well try for twelve hundred and see what you say. You know, like give me a little wiggle room. It's a negotiate. So like that's just how it's just my job. It's just what I do. I'm in sales, so it's like I, I can give you my best and final, but there's nothing more annoying. And I said this to Bosch that week, where I was like. Nothing more annoying than sitting down and spending like 15 solid minutes building a trade that makes sense for both sides. You're like, this works. This is perfect. And you send it over and they're like way off. And you're like, what? It makes like I, I put it through every calculator. It makes total sense. Like the rent, you're, it helps you at QB where you're weak. Like it makes and they're just like way off. And you're like, you know what? Why did I waste all my time with that? Might as well just send like a low ball ish offer, as you said, like a fishing offer and be like, hey, and if they accept it. Great. But I'll be honest, the, the amount of times I get a trade accepted on the first offer is probably one out of 100. And that's fine with mm. me. That's fine with me. You know, like I accept that. It's a consequence of my choice. So like that's kind of where I like trading. So I don't mind the negotiation. I don't mind the talk. I don't mind going back and forth. And I just got a trade done today in Trade Addicts 1 where it was like we've been going back and forth for about a week, uh, give or take. And I was like, you know, here, here's where we're at with this. Like, we're how close? And he's like, well, it's pretty close. And he showed me a DTC that showed his side in favor. And I was like, that's really funny. I showed him DLF that had my side in favor. And I'm like, what do we do here? You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're kind of at a crossroads. And I ended up adding Jamison Crowder. And I was like, I lose the trade, but it gets it done. We'll move on. You know what I mean? Like, it makes him happy. makes me happy. Like, it's I, Jamison Crowder is not going to make or break my team. You know what I mean? Like, that's a depth piece on a rebuilding team. I could care less. But that's what I love about this is, like, the trade talks, to me, are some of the most fun. But that's where you really get to know somebody. You really get to see how they operate. You kind of see how not honest, that sounds bad, but like see how they how they are and like how aggressive they are or like if they value players the same as you, like that was fun for me. That's where I have the most fun by far, isn't it? I will also say, I think this is somewhat of a personality thing because I am very much not in sales and a lot of my jobs have involved teaching. And so I think like, as I just noted, I felt bad that I essentially like sold this other league mate on making a trade with me. And I didn't really like push too hard on it because that's not my style, but I just said like, this is what I'm offering, take it or leave it more or less. And that's even pretty pushy for me. But I usually like to educate 
other people and have sometimes done it at my own detriment. In a past life, not so much now, I legitimately advised someone on a trade with myself and said whether I would take it or not. <laughs> and essentially was like, I would ask this person pretending they're not me for this and see if they say yes. And then I was like, yeah, I guess I'll do that. That seems fair. That's that's like John Candy's character telling his, uh, his bunkmate how to play his cards in the poker game in Stripes, basically. Yeah. Against him. <laughs> yeah, it was because they were newer to Dynasty, and so I didn't want them to have a bad experience. And I was just like, right. look, I will help you out here. I will help you craft a trade offer to myself, essentially. Well, I mean, they're also, I mean, in Dynasty 2, these, these are your only 11 options for what could be the foreseeable future for the next couple of years even. And so, you know, you burn somebody or you make a bad trade and they're much less likely to trade with you in the future. Now you've just gone down to 10 teams, right? Or what if they've got a guy that you, like, let's say they've got T. Higgins and you're, you're willing to pay whatever it takes for T. Higgins. You're like, I'll send you Jonathan Taylor for T. Higgins. And they're like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not trading with you. You know what I mean? Like, it just shuts down sometimes the whole conversation. So you do have to be careful, right? And I think, too, with, with random leagues or other things like that, it can be a way to just start some negotiations and sort of see how it goes. But you're exactly right, Bobby. There are players of all sorts. I mean, there are types, there are people kind of like myself. I don't, I don't have any kids. I don't have any time. I just like building trades. I send 30 a day, you know, not, not every day, but some days when I'm bored. And then there are days where, you know, I go three or four days without sending an offer and I start getting that itch. I'm on junkies. Like, let's be honest. So it's like, you know, I love when an offer shows up in my inbox. Cause it's like, Ooh, I get to counter. Cause like, I almost always counter. Like, that's just my thing. Like you're showing me your cards. I'll show you a little, we'll go. And so I also get it that there are people that just never counter. Like you said, Pat, you're like, yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. Just decline, you know? And like, you're, you're saying, sorry, that's such a Wisconsin polite thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't feel interested in this trade. But I think that happens a lot where people just don't say anything. And it's like, well, that's okay, too. Maybe I need to move to Wisconsin because when I decline without a comment, I often say, like, sorry, I just wasn't that interested, too. And I'm a New Yorker, and I feel like that does not fit in with the personality <laughs> type of a New Yorker. So sounds like I need to move. Well, it's all right. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you're a different New Yorker than most, Bobby. I can already tell that about you. Uh, we had some other discussion points on the show sheet, but we're already at 53 minutes, if you can believe it. So I think what we'll probably do is just kind of skip ahead. But is there anything in that other discussion we had talked about bringing up some rankings at all? I don't want to skip it entirely, Pat, if you have something you want to mention. But is there anybody that you're really looking at or maybe targeting in drafts or targeting in trades since we're kind of talking about that maybe that you think is, is being criminally undervalued before we move into our own trade segment? So I've been really beating the drum for uh, A.J. Dillon this week. Mm. Like, and I, I think his value is kind of underappreciated. For one, with the Devontae Adams trade, I think the Packers are going to run at a higher percentage this year, and I think they're going to target their running backs at a higher percentage in the pass game. And what I think is sort of escaping people, like there's a big, at least in redraft, there's a big gap in the ADPs of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And what I think people missed is that over the last 10 games of the season uh, for the Packers in the regular season, Dylan and Jones played eight games together. And in those eight games, Jones averaged 10.2 carries a game and Dylan averaged like 13.7. Mm. Like he was significantly out carrying like that. The split really shifted toward the end of the season and they were starting to like make Dylan their goal line back too. So uh, even in Dynasty, where it's, you know, almost always full PPR, um, you know, Dylan was actually like a surprisingly efficient and, and good pass catcher. Like, 
um, you know, just watching the games as a Packer fan. Like, he was making catches outside the frame of his body when Aaron Rodgers would occasionally uncork kind of a wild one. Um, just didn't do it in college, but, like, he's got pass-catching chops. So I like him a lot. Uh, I like Kadarius Tony. I'm just, like, oh. chasing the dragon there. I know he had, like, <laughs> seven different injuries late in the season and COVID and, like, everything else. But, man, what I saw out of that guy in, like, weeks four and five last year, like, just looked so exciting. And, you're welcome um, on the show anytime, Pat. <laughs> As a Giants fan, Giants you're welcome fan. on the show anytime. Good. I'm glad you're with me on that, Bobby. Um, I, I kind of like Adam Troutman. I think he just fits the profile of like a sneaky upside tight end where it's like you never want the rookies and you never want the old guys who've been around because if they've been around four or five years, if you're waiting for them to pop, it, it would have happened by now in most cases. But Troutman, like, you know, he's been used just enough. He's kind of like in that Dawson Knox zone where he had maybe like a, I don't know, like an eight or 9% target share, just enough to be involved kind of. And um, I, I just think he's like a talented guy. I remember how they were raving about him at the senior ball and just that offense just didn't go according to plan last year. So I think it could look a little better for him this year. And I want to get your take on this one. And I mentioned I'd get back to the uh, HQ trade that I made with Shane Manila. Um and we're in a 14-team league together. And uh, it's funny because Shane has, like, crapped on this draft class on podcasts <laughs> that we've been on together for, like, you know, the last five or six months. I mean, and um, all of a sudden I'm on the clock at 114. This was, like, my, my third first-round draft pick. I made this Christian McCaffrey trade that netted me a bunch of picks. And... Um, all of a sudden, I get this offer from Shane offering his, uh, well, he wants my 114 and my 207 in exchange for Antonio Gibson and his 402. And, um, you know, I'm just amused that Shane is here trying to get draft picks in this class he hates so much. But, like, wow, you know, he must really be giving up on Antonio Gibson. I'm like, the guy's still only 23, and maybe the commanders hate him. I mean, they keep keep bringing back JD McKissick. They drafted Brian Robinson. Like apparently they just don't want to give him the, the role, even though this guy was playing on like a broken leg last year for him. Um, but the guy's 23 and he's, he's really good. And he has pass catching chops, even though they don't seem to want to leverage him in that role. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to bet on the talent. And, and he took the aforementioned James Cook. And mm. uh, I think, I think he, <clears throat> actually took Brian Robinson with pick 207 ah. as if to kind of tweak me on that trade yeah, or something. Just to get but, you uh, so I don't know. What did you guys think of that? Like, I think Gibson is kind of an interesting trade target at this point because he's still really young and he's really talented. He's just in this kind of frustrating role. I will let Andrew go first because I have a very specific comment to make about how Shane trades and just Shane <laughs> as a person. So I will let Andrew go first before I give my comment. Well, just I, I did have something to say about Shane. I love sending Shane trades when I know he's on a live stream because he does so many different podcasts. I love sending him one because sometimes he's looking for content and he'll accept a trade even though it's a little off. Because I love that about trade. There's about Shane. He, he's a big big trader. He like he's like me. He's like I'll look at him be like gut feeling yes or no, you know. And then sometimes I'll like, oh, I should have put that in a calculator. So like I might have been able to get more. But eh. um, but no, I think I I actually really like the Antonio Gibson side. I have him on a bunch of teams. 
because I got him either at the end of last season or, you know, right before the trade deadline to kind of make a push, which didn't work. Or, you know, leading up to the draft, there was some discussion with they, you know, they finally got Wentz and there was like, well, what are we doing? And so like, there was a whole lot of confusion. There still is. Right. But I'm with you, Pat. I think Antonio Gibson, I think, is still a fine choice for an RB2. I mean, there really aren't that many solid RBs that you can really lean on. And I think Gibson's better than most. Um, I mean, it's I don't think this is ballsy, but I think Gibson is significantly better than James Cook. I, I would much rather put Gibson in my lineup than James Cook. And I'd much, I mean, again, I, I don't mind the depth of getting the 207 for, I think you said it was a fourth that you got back with Gibson. Or, I mean, like, so you're, you're trading back a little, but like all of those picks in this draft are all kind of that flat circle of time where it's like, who knows? I mean, you could get somebody with that fourth round pick that's still terrifically valuable and blow up. So I think it's a great trade for you. I thought that was awesome for Antonio. Oh, yeah. All right. So I will make my comments. There's a couple things here. One, I think, Pat, you saw on Twitter that I talked about how I feel about James Cook. I've said it on a few podcasts as well. I agree with all your thoughts that you laid out both on the HQ podcast and also just on this podcast just now, where I think James Cook is being a little overhyped. And here's the thing to know about Shane. And if you're a dynasty notebook type person, you might want to take notes on this. Shane is probably the most reactionary trader that I've ever encountered in my life. Where if there's negative news about a player, he'll be like, I want this guy off my team like immediately. And so like, even if it's like, a good example would be if Shane had Jerry Judy, with the news that happened with Jerry Judy, Shane would have traded him immediately. If there's bad camp news that's not about their outside football life, he will be like, this guy needs to go pretty much. If there's good camp news, he's in on it. He's just very, very reactionary. And so I get it. I get that the commanders are kind of telling us that Antonio Gibson is never going to be that workhorse that we want him to be. But that doesn't mean he's dead for fantasy. And so I'm totally fine with giving up James Cook and Brian Robinson to get Antonio Gibson and a dart throw. I think that once the season actually hits and Antonio Gibson is scoring points again, if you really wanted to, you could flip him for more than Shane gave up for or you gave up to get him from Shane. So I love the move from a dynasty perspective. I think um, even though I just talked about how I don't like taking advantage of people's proclivities, there is, I guess, a small part of me that does enjoy it. And I think you essentially did that to Shane, even though he's the one who offered it. And all you had to do was click accept, I guess. So uh, good job there, Pat. (laughs) What I would love to do is since Shane is like so down on this draft class and then like talking, always talking about how like, you know, you can't get it. 2023 draft pick away from him like you'd have to pry it from his cold dead hands i'd love to see antonio gibson blow up and then like me offer him back to shane for what his 2023 first or something like do get shane to do the exact opposite of what he has preached on his pod like trade for 2021 picks uh or, or 2022 picks and trade away a 2023 first rounder well, like, shane is so reactionary He's in so many leagues. He might send that to you to get Antonio Gibson on his team. He'd be like, take my 23 first. I need this guy. Like, I've heard him talk about that on, on HQ a couple of times. And I know I've seen trades, and I'm, I'm in a couple of leagues with him now, where it's like, we traded back and forth. Like, I think I, I traded him Debo, and then he traded him back, like, six weeks later, or like, a year later. Like, and it's just like, because we just trade all the time. Like, and you forget the history, in some cases, of who you have where. Um, and he's also, I, he's done the same thing. And I know I've done it. Where I get an offer on like an MFL email and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take that trade. I'm like, oh, I was on the other side. Like I wasn't even, you know what I mean? Like I've totally done that where I'm like, oh, I'm giving those players. Oh, well, I accepted it. It's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I, so I think he and I are kind of in the same 
from the same cloth at that point to be like, I don't know. My, my memory is so short in some leagues where it's like, I do a hundred trades a year. I can't keep track of them all. I do keep track of them all, but like in my head, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just, yes. I also to Andrew's point, Shane is on so many different podcasts. And yeah. I'm sure he also just forgets what comes out of his mouth at a certain point. I mean, <laughs> I, I've definitely said things on podcasts and later been like, Oh, I totally forgot. I said that. And then I like traded for a player. I claimed to hate. And I was like, well, sorry, everyone. I will correct myself the next time I talk. <laughs> oh, I've definitely gotten offers immediately, like Friday morning when the podcast posts. I'll start getting offers. And I'm like, I did say that, didn't I? I did say, like, doggone it. Like, they're calling me out. I like it. But no, I think I think that covers it. I think that's terrific. I really appreciate that, Pat. I know we had a lot of other questions, but we're going to kind of move along. This is what we do. And we've got a lot of trades to talk about, in a way, on, on our Find Me a Trade segment. So this week, we have a, a roster submitted by Frank Roth. Uh, at 8EEKID on Twitter. Uh, his league is the, uh, the league that he's in, I should say, is the DTC Podcast Listener League. So I love, in my head, when I first saw this, I was like, well, wait a minute, that's not our, that's brilliant because this isn't a DTC podcast. We can offer advice here. Like, we can help out with this. Like, why not? We love the guys at Dynasty Trade Calculator. So we can help out with this. Uh, I will say, I did not look at this, tra- any of our trades on the DTC Calculator. Like, no, 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 let's just go with the blind. I like it. Um, but it is a 36-team, three-division, three-copy league. So it's one of those monster leagues where there's multiple things happening, and then I'm guessing they all play at the end. I love those kind of leagues. They're just so much fun. Uh, it is Superflex PPR and a 1.5 tight end premium, kind of what you were talking about, Bobby. And maybe not enough for your liking, but close, closer than most. Uh, it is a start nine, which I think is interesting. And, and start nine means you're not starting as many as other leagues. I mean, somewhere you start 13, which is just insane. Uh, you're starting players that you're like, this has no business in my lineup, but I, it's by weeks and I got nothing else. Uh, so start nine is kind of interesting. So it's one, it's QB, two running back, three receiver, tight end flex, and that super flex we mentioned. So that super flex can obviously be that second quarterback. Uh, his team name is the at eight EE kid. And maybe there's something there I'm not seeing like B kid. You think it's like a B kid? I don't know. But at B kid true truants, which is another fun name. I love this. And the notes he said where he got this team through a dispersal, he feels like he can compete, uh, but feels like the wide receiver room can improve. He's got limited capital and draft thanks to trading for Jonathan Taylor. And I think even before we really get into the team, Bobby, I wanted your opinion on this. Like if you're going into it, if you're going into a draft or just leaving a draft, having given up all your picks for a stud, is that kind of what you like to do in a league like this before we even really get into the team? Is that something you tend to do? Well, What's interesting is, I don't know if you guys did, but I took a look at his draft capital, and I don't really know what he was talking about because he actually still had a decent number of picks. And I was looking at some of those to make trades with. But to your general question, Andrew, uh, not really. If you're coming into this fresh and you're not expecting to compete, my general rule of thumb, and I know I did say earlier, so I'm going to go a little against myself here, of being flexible and adaptable is if you're not ready to compete, don't trade away the farm for running backs. That's just not my style. And if you're taking notes on me and you're in a league with me, you should know that I also generally just feel gross trading for running backs, even when I'm ready to compete. It's just not a position I like having on my dynasty rosters, to be honest, even though I recognize you need them to win. And most of my winning rosters have involved some really strong running backs. So I would much rather have the picks and try to build around those guys, but I've been accused sometimes of trying too hard, essentially to build those dynasty rosters instead of just taking the points now. Um, So that's essentially where I fall, but Jonathan Taylor is not the worst guy to go after you're going to do that. 
No. And, and let's run through the team real quick before we get. I'll let you go first on your trade there, Bobby. But so he's I do think he's a contender. I do agree with what he's saying. He, he This team can compete. I don't think he's bottom of the barrel. I don't think he needs to scrap it. There are definitely some weak spots and we'll get into that. But uh, quarterbacks, he's got Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill. That's not a, that's not a bad three. And then you got the backups, Malik Willis, Kyle Trask and Mason Rudolph. I don't think Rudolph plays, so he's probably somebody I'm cutting. But Trask and Willis backing up Brady and Tannehill. I mean, that's a solid QB core for a super flex league. I don't mind that. All a little older, but they're producing, and they're good quarterbacks. Nothing against it. Uh, running backs, obviously, like I said, he's got Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's got Aaron Jones. So, again, maybe the, the antithesis, antithesis of what you were talking about with A.J. Dillon there before, Pat. Like, he's got the other guy, the declining asset. Uh, he's got James Robinson, again, who knows what to think of that guy this year. Zach Moss, who is gone. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Drafted Damian Pierce. He's got Ty Chandler, Giovanni Bernard, Amir Abdullah, Jamar Jefferson. Just nobody really flashy behind that. Receiver, I, I mean, again, I would say his best receiver is probably Tyler Lockett. I mean, again, just guessing at looking at this, he's got DeAndre Hopkins, uh, MVS, which who knows? Tim Patrick could be a flyer. But, yeah, he's right. His wide receiver room could use some work. I, I agree. But there's some players like Will Fuller could still show up somewhere and be something. Khalif Raymond might have a good week here and there, and you can trade him. I'm pretty much out on Robbie Anderson. I think that ship has sailed. I don't think there's really much left there. Uh, tight end, he's got Hayden Hurst, Travis Kelsey, Kate Otten, who he drafted, uh, Brevin Jordan, and Donald Parham. So, again, tight end's pretty set with Kelsey and Hurst as, like, a secondary. Even Brevin Jordan, I think, has some value going into Dynasty Leagues. But I, I guess let's start with your trade, like I said, Bobby. What would you do if you had this team? If you are a listener and, and you're trying to find a trade, where would you start? Sure. Well, first, I would be honest with myself, because one of the things I've learned in my time in Dynasty and also from other people who I trust in Dynasty, and this is from our friend Leo at Siga FF, as well as Tassie mm -hmm. Assassin 13, is just doing an honest assessment of your Dynasty roster. And I don't agree with the assessment that this is a contender. I think the wide receivers are too weak to really contend. And I don't see him being able to necessarily make those moves unless he does something like some of the trades, which I looked at all of ours just because I'm sure. curious what you guys were suggesting. And so I do think what you would want to do here is essentially make a move to get a little bit younger while still essentially not rebuilding, but reloading is what I like to call it, where you're looking yeah. more at next year, but you'll still take your shot at this year. And so I sent in my trade, and this may not be the most realistic, I will say, because when I was making... To Pat's point earlier, when I was making this trade offer in my head to this other owner, I thought that they might balk at the price just given what's happened this offseason. But I was sending Aaron Rodgers to the team that was called the Fantasy Affliction for Derek Carr and Juju Smith-Schuster. I did check this on some calculators just to make sure I was within the ballpark. And it seemed like I was. Um, a bunch of rankers still have Aaron Rodgers well ahead of Derek Carr. My concern would be that the other owner is so all in on Derek Carr getting Devontae Adams. That'd be like, why would I give you a Juju Smith-Schuster on top of Derek Carr to get to Aaron Rodgers? But from what I looked at from the Fantasy Afflictions roster, I feel like he is really an Aaron Rodgers type QB away from being a true champion contender. So he may look at that and say, you know what? Juju's had a few down seasons they have Sky Moore there. They have Travis Kelsey there. Maybe he'll be more of a tertiary piece. And so maybe he'll be willing to give Derek Carr there. But I will say I'm not fully confident that this trade would be accepted if it was offered to the other owner. What do you think, Pat? Is he on the right page with where you're at? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing, um, I agree completely with Bobby that the move for this 
guy to make is to get younger for sure, in addition to maybe trying to improve wide receiver. Um, I just wonder if the trade would go through considering that Carr and Juju have both seen these big value boosts in the offseason. And, you know, the guy would then feel like maybe he was giving away the, the offseason windfall that he got. Yeah, and I think, too, just to kind of put this into perspective, like we said, like, what does this team need? I always look when I'm looking at the other teams and if I'm trading with someone, if they've got a lot of running backs, they're contending, or at least in their head, they're contending. Right. So if you've got a lot of running backs on your roster, you must you in your head, you're like, I must be contending. That's not always true. But if I'm rebuilding, I'm sending running backs away. I don't want running backs on my roster. If I'm rebuilding, if I'm a bad team, running backs fall off the cliff so fast. One injury, their value tanks. I need to insulate as much value as possible. And that's usually in the quarterback and receiver position for me and how I like to do it. And the fantasy affliction has what I would consider four starting running backs. Like that's a solid running back team. They got Javante Williams, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook. I mean, like if that team's not going in this year, what are you doing? I mean, like Javante is obviously a stud like running back in the sense of like going to be around for a few years. But I mean, you got Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Leonard Fournette who all might be in the last year of their true value. So I totally love the idea. I thought about trading with him, but I saw you put yours on there first. I think I was like, ah, well, I'll try to find another one because. I don't want to do the same kind of thing. Um, but I will again, say I, you're you. on the right track there, Andrew. I looked at their <laughs> running backs and thought these guys could all lose value or not, maybe even not be relevant next year. So maybe they would trade for Rodgers just to go all in on exactly their chips in on this year. But that's what I was going to say next. Like if you, if you've got that kind of running back room, you I would feel like you you know the clock is ticking, and you're like it's it's this year I'm pushing my chips in, and I do think Carr is better or sorry Rodgers is better than Carr significantly. Uh, even if this is his last year and who knows what happens with that. Um, but again, I just think that I, I think there's a lot of potential there and Juju is still a wild card. I mean, a lot of people want to say he's going to be the best guy there, but we don't know that for sure. That offense could look very different this year than what we're used to seeing with Hill gone. I mean, it, it could filter all the way through Kelsey who our guy already has on his team. So it's like, you know, do I want to add Juju? I don't mind it of course, but this other guy, fantasy affliction might be like, let me out on this Juju, right? I'm done. And it gets him an upgraded quarterback to pair with Kyler Murray, which, again, that's a solid two starters. Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers, no one's going to hate that. Uh, at well, least for this I appreciate year, you long. advocating for my trade, although ultimately I do agree with Pat that I think the offseason hype will make it so that they probably don't accept. But I don't think it's – I will say this. It is not a Scott's trade from last week. That's right, no. Scott. I'm calling you out live <laughs> on air. Your trade was awful last week. My trade he, is not that. He will have to defend that the next time he's on. But – um I do want to say, like, too, this is it's an interesting trade because it's similar to what you came up with, Pat. Uh, maybe if you want to get into your trade, it's the same basic idea, just with a different team. If you want to get into that. Yeah. So um, I think Frank has um, he should try to maybe get a little younger with this deal. In addition to getting in like he needs another piece at wide receiver. Like, I yeah. really like what he can throw out as the basic twosome at running back every every week with Taylor and Jones. He's really solid at quarterback. He's got Travis Kelsey at tight end. I mean, that looks like a championship roster until you get to the wide receiver position, and then yep. it's it's pretty ugly, especially with the Hopkins suspension. Yeah, because there's you know one potential anchor guy that he's not going to have for a while. So he does need another anchor guy. And um, you know, looking at some of the other rosters, I, I thought it was kind of hard for him to leverage his quarterback depth because. It seems like the quarterbacks are really evenly dispersed in this league, which was yep. weird. And and I it also seems like 
normally find one team with a, a big, you know, uh, they're the cartel of wide receivers, and we don't <laughs> seem to have that kind of a team in this league. Like, there's no one sitting on a lot of wide receiver talent. So it was kind of hard to find a deal, but um, I think there's this other uh, team. The, the team is just, I think, named for the owner. It's Damon Brooks. Uh, at Damon Brooks is the team name, and I would maybe offer him Aaron Rodgers. And I believe Damon Brooks has like a bunch of sort of young, unproven. Like he's got a depth at quarterback, but not really frontline firepower. Uh, so trade him Aaron Rodgers uh, and MVS, and get back in return Deontay Johnson and Jared Goff. So I guess that depends on whether you know how you feel about Deontay Johnson. I mean, I don't feel like he's any less of an alpha receiver losing, you know, a, a very over-the-hill Ben Roethlisberger and, and, you know, getting either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. Um, but, you know, it's a, a clear upgrade at wide receiver. He gets younger in the deal. Uh, as Bobby said, I think that should be one of his, you know, I don't think he can quite go all in with this team. Right. This is not an all-in type of team, and, and Bobby was very, you know, dead on about that. Um, so at least this does give him a shot with his wide receivers and he gets a little younger to boot. No, I, I like it. And I think too, the, the, to kind of add even some more context of what you were saying, Damon Brooks has Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, and Trey Lance. So he really doesn't have a QB one. I mean, you could argue Trey Lance, but that's a lot of speculative value at this point. Still with Jimmy Garoppolo on the team, it's like, we don't know. There's some reports coming out that he might not be everything we thought. And like, there's some question marks, right? And my QB one, I don't want question marks. Like, I just, I don't, I don't prefer that. Like, I don't, I don't mind Watson being my QB one, but there's question marks, right? Rogers, there's question marks, but he's going to play. I think he's going to be fine. Um, the other one thing, thing then, to add, uh, oh, go ahead. Is just, I was thinking about this live to both Pat and I's trade. And I thought about, I tried initially with another player to trade him and I just couldn't find a trade that made sense. But this would be the logical next move is if you trade Aaron Rodgers away and get younger, try to do the same thing with Travis Kelsey and pick up another wide receiver that way by downgrading a tight end maybe because Travis Kelsey, as much as I love him and he's been my tight end one forever, although now that might be Mark Andrews, you're going to start seeing the dynasty community get down on him just because of his age. So now maybe the time to cash out, get a little bit younger with your team. You don't have to go too young, but we talked about him earlier, even if you can, I don't remember which team has Dalton Schultz, but if you could trade Kelsey for Dalton Schultz, plus a wide receiver that you like a bit, that could be a very solid move for this team. Well, and I just wanted to, to add it while I was thinking about it. I don't mind the interruption on that. That's fine. I think the other thing I wanted to mention here though, is just to kind of clarify, this guy also has Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I mean, it's like maybe he would be okay to get rid of one or the other, right? If you have both. Um, I also was going to say there is a chance that maybe you do Bobby's trade and you get Derek Carr and then you trade this guy, Derek Carr, because he's got Devontae Adams. So sometimes people like to stack, right? So like sometimes you could think a couple steps ahead and no trade is ever your last trade, hopefully. And this is a DTC listener league. Like they're going to be trading like trade addicts do. I mean, in my opinion. So I feel like you could. And that's also why I think a lot of teams I say can be contenders are, are really all you have to be is in the top eight out of 12, in my opinion, in May to be a contender. You have to be a couple of moves away from having your team be a contender in my book in May. We've got time. We've got some ways to make some moves. We've got some things that can happen, some things that can break your way. That number dwindles the closer you get to the season. And by week three, there's really only four teams that are contending. So, again, that that wording is even a little bit vague on purpose. But 
I thought both of those trades were really well done and kind of did the job of what you're trying to do. You get back at Deontay kind of, and Goff is still a serviceable QB three, you know, like that's not a bad, not a bad trade at all. I mean, again, I, I think you're both in the same wheelhouse. Uh, and I think mine is even again, kind of similar in its own right, but different enough because I, again, I saw you was trading Aaron Rodgers and I saw Pats. I was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll go a different direction. So mine was going to be to send Tom Brady to Mac attack for Devonta Smith. Now, straight up, I'm not sure this trade goes through, right? I don't know of a lot of teams that would just say smash except to that, right? Devonta Smith, they just added A.J. Brown. He went from the wide receiver one to the wide receiver two, but he's still really young, really talented, Heisman Trophy winner and all this, you know, BMI, Twitter and all this stuff, right? But I do think that some people are really looking at Brady and saying, like, he might be the guy. Like, this is, he's going to be, he's never going to go away. He's, he's going to play forever and all this, right? Well, this other guy, again, just looking at the teams, um, the player that I'm, I'm talking to here is Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, solid two, two quarterbacks. But after that, it's Davis Mills, who, again, something, and Ben Roethlisberger, who's out of the league, Teddy Bridgewater. So, again, this is one of those where, like, if I'm Mac Attack, and I actually, Mac Attack is someone who I traded with in Trade Addicts 1. So it's like he and I are very similar in this regard. I'm not sure I would accept this trade either. So what I said is you might need to throw something else into this, right? Do Brady in a third or Brady in another piece to see if it sweetens the pot at all. It might not. There might not be a single way you can do it. So then I was like, well, I'm not sure this would work, but let me go a different direction entirely and be like, all right, let me pivot off. Because I do this sometimes too, where I attack a player that I don't want so that then they feel like I'm settling for someone else, but that's who I wanted the whole time. It's that 3D chess level of trading. So I would probably send that trade and start the talks there and be like, you know what? Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. So what if we did this? What if it was Brady and Hurst for Mills, Thielen, and Tony? And the logic here is kind of what we just talked about. Thielen, I think, is still going to be a good player. I think he's going to be in your starting lineup most weeks. I am not necessarily off of the Tony ride, but I'm not fully on board either. <laughs> I think there is some potential for him in New York, but Brian Dable is going to have to figure out how to use him. So again, and then adding Mills as your third QB, you know, downgrading from Brady to Mills. Is that a downgrade? Yes, but not much of one. So that was kind of where my head was at is like, try to do a couple different angles on this to see if I can send Brady partially because I think you can, you can be fine with a better or different third quarterback. You don't need uh, Brady on that team. And I think if your team isn't contending, you want out on Brady now rather than waiting, right? If you're on the fence and this team is not a top three team, so it's like, well, that gives you some outs. It gets you younger. It gets you some options. What do you think about that one, Pat? Oh, muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. My uh, dog was barking for a second. Oh, no I problem. was trying to stop him. Um, so maybe this guy is a little bit down on Devonta Smith with the A.J. Brown acquisition and is willing to do that. And it it's another deal that sort of um, solves the issue that Bobby and I were talking about. Maybe this guy tries to get younger. Uh, just in case it doesn't work out with him going for it. But adds firepower, he gets younger. The only thing I do wonder is if, um, like, his trading partner would be willing to give up a good young receiver to get, like, a, a great third quarterback, right. you know, to really improve at a spot you're not necessarily going to be able to use. Yes, it's great insurance in case something happened, either Herbert or Burrow. But, you know, maybe with those two, he's thinking like he can just pretty much get by with Davis Mills as his third guy, like his, well, you know, start in, in two bye weeks or whatever. It all depends. Like that might be the one reason he'd be reluctant to make that deal. But like the in a vacuum, I think the value on that deal is totally fair. Yeah, not to pile on, but that's exactly what I was thinking, um, is that if I were the other guy 
I wouldn't make this trade to get my third QB because right. I have two strong QBs and I just don't feel the need to make that move. Um, that's honestly how I felt about both deals that you came up with, Andrew, is just I personally would not do that trade to get a third quarterback. I get where you're going with, and I totally get it. Like If I didn't have those two quarterbacks, I think, yeah, the second one especially does make some sense. But I do also think this highlights the difference of us as traders where exactly maybe Pat and I put ourselves in the other person's shoes a bit more than you do and really think through, like, would I accept this if I was on the other side of it? Well, and I want to jump in with this, though. This Mac Attack team is, in my opinion, the best team in the league, right? He's got Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Austin Eckler. We talked about Burrow and Herbert. He's got Joe Mixon. Uh, he's got uh, Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, Antonio Brown, which is just hilarious to me. Uh, Devonta Smith, obviously, like I said, like he, he's and Mark Andrews is a tight end. Like this team, in my opinion, is the best team in the league. So again, I, I'm with you guys, and this is this is exactly where I wanted to talk about because we had talked about the trading stuff earlier. Sometimes in my discussions and my trade negotiations with people, it's literally just like you said, a fishing expedition. And then what happens in a lot of these cases, if you send a Brady for Smith, they're like way off, or I'm out on Brady. It's like that gives me info. Thank you. Now I can pivot. And I'm like, all right, what about Tannehill instead? Right. And I can see where we go with it because again, I, I, again, this is the difference in how we like to trade. I look at it like a starting point. And I know a lot of people and Bosch kept hammering this home where it's like, no, this is my best and final. I'm not negotiating all day. You know, I got kids. We're going to Kings Island. I got a job. Like I don't have time for this, you know? And I'm sitting here like I work from home. I got nothing to do. I really enjoy the trade talks. That's just how I work. So my thought is again, on find me a trade. I love to see a different angle. So I don't, I don't mind at all the, the disagreement. And I think that's where Scott and I are very similar in that regard too. Where sometimes we make a trade for value and sometimes we make a trade for need. And it's like everybody sees different holes in the team. I do think that if I'm being honest, the, the, uh, was it Frank, right? Yeah. Frank's team does have a lot of holes at receiver. And I don't think one trade is going to make this team a contender fully. But what I'm saying is you can start to make some incremental things. You've got to start working at the margins a little bit. And to me, working at the margins means I'm sending a low ball ish offer to start with and seeing where I can find a hole. And I think that's where if, if that's just my negotiation tactic, where it's like, where can I make a little advantage? Where can I get a little piece extra? Where can I get a little younger here and there and kind of grow this? And again, in the DTC listener league, like they're going to be making trades. Like this is not going to be a boring league. And I do think with a 36 team league, you know, three divisions and all this, granted, you can only trade in your own division, I'm sure, right? There's no multiple copies or anything like that. But again, it, it's going to be one of those leagues that is very active and it's going to have a lot of people that want to make trades and going to make moves. I will agree too, though, that if I was Mac Attack, I wouldn't make a move at all. Be like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm right where I need to be. But I don't mind poking at that Jenga tower and just seeing if there's a weak spot. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe there is, maybe he's hesitant. He doesn't think Mills is the guy. Or maybe he's like, well, if I'm contending, I need a third quarterback because I don't want to have Herbert get hurt or something. Like I need to have a better third. Like you, we play against people like this all the time where it's like, to your that's point, not how Andrew, my brain works. But, he you know. might not want to find himself in the situation where one of his QBs goes down and then he has to make like a desperation trade. So it easily, it could work. And you did say something earlier that I really liked, by the way, and it's uh -huh. getting to your idea of snowballing, which is, uh, and to be fair, I'm giving myself some credit here, but I'm also giving Pat some credit, which is I very much like the idea of doing the trade for Derek Carr, if you can, and then turning around and then again, flip snowballing and flipping that to the other owner for Jared Goff and getting yep. back Deontay Johnson. So then you have Deontay Johnson and Juju yep. and you sure you've downgraded from Aaron Rodgers to Jared Goff, but you have those other quarterbacks and you're planning for the future. And now you have two 
fairly young, good wide receivers on your team. So I definitely like that point of just because you made this one trade doesn't mean you can't turn around and then flip those additional pieces for other things. And I know I talk about you and Russ making trades just to make trades sometimes, but that is an advantage of what you can do is you can continually snowball trades into bigger and better things or things that make more sense for your team. If you're a very active trader, it's not a style for everybody, but it does oh, work no. for some. Well, and that's where Scott is portfolio dynasty, right? He's got 45 teams or something crazy. And he's always trying to do, make sure he's got a certain amount of shares of players. And it's a whole different kind of game. Right. And mine is sort of the same thing. Like, especially in the off season or the non point scoring season, as Russ would call it, like, I don't need to worry about my lineup at all. Just give me a little more value. Like, let me see where I can get, a, like, working at the margins and trimming a little bit and adding a little bit here and there. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm not trying to really worry about my lineup. Now, granted, that's not to say the other teams in the league aren't. Like, you know, other teams are looking at their lineup and going, I'm set. I don't need to make a trade in this league. And that's perfectly fine. But if, especially if I'm in the middle or in the bottom half and looking to try to contend and make some moves, I have to put in the work to do that. I'm not just going to get inbox emails and say like, oh, this is my trade now. I'm going to do it. Like you've got to put in the effort. And I think sometimes maybe that gets lost in this whole thing. Like it, it is nice to have a great team and to kind of, you know, to win the whole thing and to build a team that is, you know, great for years. It, it rarely happens by luck. It almost always happens by, you know, picking the right players and making the right choices and all this, but it's the grind. It's the working it. It's the, you know, paying attention to the rookie draft and making trades when player values change and like, paying attention to all those little things about um, not only scarcity, but like positional value in general. And like, you know, looking at the lineups in March doesn't really matter to me. I just want to add value to my team. And so I think that's again, where there's no wrong way to do this. And one of my favorite things that I've always liked about this segment is that it gives Frank in this case, a starting point. Frank may hate all of these, but he goes, you know what? I never thought of that. That guy does have this weak spot and I really don't like Kelsey. I'm out on Kelsey. I'll say, so like it just opens the door to some conversation to help, but also anyone else that has players like this or is looking to make a move like this, or like you said, Bobby, that is doing an honest evaluation of their team and is like, you know what? I am kind of in the middle. Maybe this is the time for me to blow it up. And they were mentioning trades like this. So that's what I think is helpful here. I mean, I don't think any of these trades, I'm going to say mine, any of my trades, I would be shocked if they get accepted because that's not how I build a trade. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not how I do this. I, at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of value in every possible way to do this. You know, every league is so unique. You could take from this whatever you need. So I love this. And I think we all did a pretty good job. I'll say that I did the worst. That's fine. I don't mind. Uh, it's not Scott this week. I'll take it. Um, but there's no there's no negative value in these kind of discussions. That's the whole point. We're all here to have fun and to talk trades. And so I'm always up for that. This is a starting point, not an end. But with that said, we've gotten through the Find Me a Trade. We've gotten through some great Dynasty talk. Whew been an hour and a half already i can't believe it this has been the fastest hour and a half of my week uh but pat recap again where can people find you and what do you got going on the next couple weeks here as we lead up into the offseason yeah uh they can find me on twitter at fits underscore ff they can find the fits on fantasy podcast in the fantasy pros dynasty podcast and um just basically continuing to crank out stuff at fantasy pros uh keep those rankings all spruced up i guess and uh you know as you know andrew we're going to be coming out with a redraft kit uh for our um customers uh that's going to be out in june so working diligently on that i guess um you yeah. know it's it seems like the off season now but we are going to be in the heart of draft season before we know it yeah august flies into here man i tell you what every year in dynasty i feel like it gets shorter and shorter but that's a good thing in a way right we get real football quicker i guess exactly like, you know? it, like we hit the start of june and <laughs> it seems like 
the preseason. Like the June and July are the fastest months. Yeah. No question about it. They well, there's all the, like on. every day there's new blurbs about some coach saying something about some player and the values go all over the place. And, and that's when you make a trade offer to Shane Manila. I was just going to say that. That's <laughs> when you send trades to Shane and see what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly put, Bobby. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, Pat. Uh, really great talking to you. I know it's uh, it's good to hear your voice. I know you and I email a lot with Fantasy Pros, so it's nice to have a conversation like two real people for a minute. Um, but no, I appreciate you coming on. It was a good time. Yeah, great uh, to talk to you in person, Andrew, for a change. And Bobby, uh, you know, it's about time we did a podcast together. So it was really great being on with both you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank, oh, thank you for you. coming on, Pat. It was a pleasure. Yeah, so we'll get out of here with this. So we obviously follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Junkies. Uh, make sure you give us a rate and review on whatever podcast platform, platform you're listening to. Uh, we do need some more Find Me at Trades. We've got some lined up, obviously, and we always take new new submissions. I mean, obviously, there are some leagues that get a little stale that have been on there a while, and we're like, well, we'll go back later, and we never really do for whatever reason. So if you want to come back and resubmit, you can always submit more than one team. You can submit your teams more than once. We'll catch them in the form, not a problem. Um, but obviously, follow me on Twitter, too, at Andrew Hall FF. We've got Bobby Koch at Rekt Fantasy, R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the uh, DAP Network, too, at DAP underscore Network. You can catch us live on YouTube like you're doing now if you're watching here. Uh, we had a couple people in the chat, Joey and Kyle. Thanks for showing up. Uh, make sure, like I said, again, though, rate and review us. We do really want to see those. If you have some feedback like Bobby had on the first episode of Dynasty Junkies, we're open to it, right? Who knows? Maybe in a year or two, you'll be on the podcast. I mean, what a trajectory. That's just amazing. Uh, before we disconnect too, I do want to re-mention too that we are giving away a Scott Fishbowl. Like we mentioned before, we're giving away a spot. Make sure you're signed up for Scott Fishbowl and then find our tweet on Twitter. Obviously, where else would it be? But find that tweet with Rockies League where you can actually do what we just did and find a trade in that league. Uh, we'll talk about some of the ones we like next week and we'll pick a winner. And maybe you can get in Scott Fishbowl and show us how you're much better than all of us and how we're all idiots and none of us are experts. That's my favorite part of this. But with that, anything you want to say, Bobby, before you take us out of here? Uh, no, it's just it's been great to podcast with both of you. I am looking forward to becoming a rotational co-host of this show and working with both yourself and Rocky and Scott, although I'm starting to believe that Scott doesn't exist because every time I'm supposed to podcast with him, he has to like wash his hair or something. But maybe one day Scott and I will actually podcast together. Do you ever have that happen with Bogman, Pat? I got to ask, like, is Bogman one of those guys that you're just like, does he actually exist? I don't even know anymore. He does. No, he's, he's uh, busy. He's got a lot going on. He does, man. Uh, definitely. And and I know he's like got weird hours. He's like a, a vampire. He's, uh, you know, up until late into the evening. And then, you know, the sun comes up and he goes to sleep, I think. So uh, God bless him. Yeah. Well, with that, with your Scott and from our Scott and from all of us at Dynasty Junkies, I'll say it here. Junkies out. <laughs>